0: Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. The other day, my son Joel and I were in the car, and we pulled up to the intersection by the Galleria off LBJ. And we pulled up, and there was a homeless man begging on the side of the road, and my son looked at me and he said, Mama, guy. Mama, guy. And I started to dread a little bit because I knew what the next question was going to be. My son is two, and he's been on this rampage of repeating the same question over and over and over again. And because we speak Spanish at home, he kept asking, Que hace? Que hace, Mama? Que hace? Which means, what is he doing? What is he doing? What is he doing? And you have that moment when you're a parent, and maybe some of you relate to this, where your kid asks you a question that you don't know how to respond to. You don't know the answer. I can tell him what he's doing, but then the next question one day for him will be, well, why didn't you help? Why didn't you roll down your window? It'll be confusing for him. and. In that moment, when I was at that intersection of LBJ, it, it dawned on me that the reason that I don't understand this problem, the reason that I don't know what to do is there's so much fear and uncertainty and doubt about how to get involved in what seems like an impossible problem. We all have that thing, that cause, that group of people that stirs us, has moved us, that we've thought about over and over again, about getting involved, about something that we we feel this call to action to, but for most of us, it's the fear and uncertainty and doubt that stops us from doing it. For me, for a long time, it's been foster care. I think it stemmed from when I was teaching in North Carolina, and a lot of my students had either been in the foster care system or were currently. And I saw what it did to them, staying in this limbo between not being able to be reunited with their biological family, but then also not being able to have a permanent family to call their own. And it broke my heart every day. And I swore, I swore that I would get involved, that I would go and be a foster parent, that's all I wanted to do, and then life kept happening. I started seminary. I had a kid. We moved here. Things changed. And suddenly, this question about how to get involved, it became a bigger and bigger question in my life. And the uncertainty of where to start, well, it stopped me from doing anything. You see, the movies that we've covered this summer We've talked about video game characters who fix the Internet. We've talked about superheroes who save the world from decimation. We've talked about a family of animated superheroes who hide their powers so they don't go to jail. We've talked about some crazy stuff this summer. And each of those movies have these characters who have this problem usually about how to save the world in some way, and and they come across this mountaintop moment, this moment, this one singular scene that changes everything for them. And suddenly, all their uncertainty, all their doubt, all their fear goes away, and they know how to save the world. But for most of us, for most of us, we don't have those mountaintop moments. That's not how real life works for us. And that's why I think this movie that we're covering today, this movie might be the most relatable, the most helpful, that we've covered all summer. Instant family starts with a couple, Ellie and Pete, and they have a problem. They decide that they want to have a family, but they aren't quite sure the way to do it. Pete thinks he's too old to have biological children and private adoption seems too expensive. And one day, Ellie, through a random conversation she had with a friend, it dawns on her that maybe she should start looking into fostering. And so, when Pete comes home that day, he isn't prepared for the conversation that follows. (laughs) At the heart of Pete's dilemma is that he thinks they're not special enough. And it's a funny phrase, but we use it too we disqualify ourselves from getting involved. We're not patient enough. We don't love like them. We don't have the time or the energy. We disqualify ourselves from getting involved. Because that little voice of fear, that little voice of uncertainty, it circles around in our heads the same way Pete's does. And in this case, Ellie eventually convinces Pete Why don't we? Why don't we just try the classes, right? You who have um, who are married and have spouses, you know how that works, right? Like let's just—it can't hurt. It can't hurt. Let's just try it. And so Pete goes, and they try the classes, and actually he like totally buys into it. Like he gets excited about it. They hear this super inspirational speech about how you should adopt and why it's so wonderful, and he is excited. And at that point, Ellie, Ellie starts to wonder if this is the right decision. She sees his excitement and then that voice of fear comes onto her and she goes, well, maybe this isn't going to be as easy as we thought. Maybe this is too hard. But the other one convinces, Pete convinces Ellie and they decide to go through with it, at least with the classes, and they keep going through the classes. And at one point there's an event where they get to meet some kids And they go, and they don't have any luck meeting any kids that really connect with them, except in the last moment, Pete notices a group of teenagers off in the far corner. Because as you can imagine, teenagers in foster care don't have any expectation of getting adopted. So when there are big events that involve adoption fairs or getting to know foster families, they stand off to the side. And Pete gets frustrated with this. He knows this isn't right. And so he looks at them, he says, I'm going to go over there and talk to them. And Ellie, Ellie has some thoughts about that. And I can't play it here because I'm pretty sure God would spite me for the language that they use. But Ellie says along the lines of like, um, excuse me, do you know what teenagers do? Do you know who they are? We, we can't handle small children, let alone a teenager. But this girl, this 15-year-old girl named Lizzie, she makes an impression on them. In a very sassy and wonderful way, she makes an impression on them, and Pete and Ellie know that they they might have to pursue this. So they go to the social worker, and a little nervous and a little scared, but they want to learn more about Lizzie. And when they sit down at the table with the social workers, this is what the social workers say. They went expecting to learn a little bit more about this teenager, and they weren't really sure about that, but then they get the information that actually she has two siblings. And so you can imagine what that car ride home sounded like, right? How are we going to fit three kids in our house? How are we going to manage school schedules? We don't know anything about this. We've never even parented before. How are we going to navigate three children? They didn't know if they could do it. They weren't sure if they were qualified. And the fear and doubt and uncertainty starts spiraling. But eventually, again, Ellie this time says, well, what could one visit hurt? What could one visit hurt? And so they do, they visit these kids, Juan and Lita and Lizzie, in their foster care placement. And they spend the day with them and they come back home. And this is the conversation that they have when they come back. Oh, I don't know what happened. It's all right, I'll finish the end of it. So she, he says, like, well, how long did you know? 14 months. And she, and she says, well, I mean, I did expect we'd have a cosmic connection, but, but we didn't, and, and, and then Pete asks her. He says, so do you want the kids? And she says, well, I don't know. And then she asks the same question back to Pete. Well, do you want the kids? And he says, whatever you want. she goes, that's not an answer. I need an answer. I need some clarity. I want clarity on this. And he, at the end, jokingly says, well, give me 14 months to think about it. That's That's how that clip ends. But the point of that is that I think that's just an exaggeration sometime of what we do when we see things that we want to get involved in. We have these moments and we think, oh, well, what I can do is so small, it's it's not going to make an impact. Or we say, I wanted to feel a certain way when I did this. I wanted to be this come to Jesus, slap in the face moment where I knew this is what I was supposed to do. That's what we want. When we want to get involved in causes, when we want to help out in the world, we want this big cosmic connection. And when we don't feel it, when we don't sense it, then we slowly withdraw, or back away, convince ourselves that we shouldn't be involved in the work of the world. And so, after Pete and Ellie have this conversation, that's what they do. They decide that maybe this isn't for them, maybe this isn't something that they want to do in the world. And over time, one of them comes to their senses, Ellie, and she says, Well, why don't we just bring them into our house, just for a trial period, and we'll see how it goes. We won't talk about adoption. We won't talk about anything about permanence. We'll just have them into our house and see how it goes. And you can imagine that a couple who knew nothing about parenting perhaps didn't have the best reasons for going into parenting. Well, chaos ensues. And after one particular night, when Lizzie breaks curfew, and the other two are throwing up because they ate too much cotton candy. They have this conversation at night. What I think this conversation reveals about Ellie and Pete and how they've thought about this process is that they didn't have a whole lot of reason to foster, to adopt. They didn't start with a reason, they kind of just stumbled into it. And then the reasons that kept them there, guilt, and pity and feelings of obligation or saving face, they weren't super great reasons. You see, one of the themes of the film is that Lizzie, Lizzie asks them throughout the film and in one moment in particular at the very end and says, why did you feel like you could bring foster kids into your home? Why do you want to keep us? And they didn't have an answer because they knew that the real answer that they would have to give would be really bad. It'd be like, well, we wanted to keep you because we felt, we felt really guilty. Or we wanted to keep you because we felt really sorry for you and we knew that if you went back, it'd be worse. Or, We wanted to keep you because, because honestly, we look really great right now and we don't want to spoil that, so we're just, we're just going to continue on. I think sometimes a lot of us initially get involved for some of those reasons. And that's okay. But the thing that happens to Pete and Ellie, and the thing that happens to all of us, is that once you get involved, as you stay involved, your reasons for staying change. Something inside of you shifts. And it isn't a mountaintop moment. It isn't one scene. It is multiple small looks, it is multiple small interactions that eventually start to grow something inside of you. That something inside of you starts to shift and suddenly you stop being self-centered and become other-centered the way that Jesus taught us to be. You see, what changes in Ellie and Pete is that they start to understand the real reason that they made the choice to stay. This is a clip at the end of the movie when Lizzie has heard that her biological mother doesn't want her anymore. That was her plan that she wanted to be reunited with her biological mom and Pete and Ellie finally understand why they want to keep her. At the end of that movie, What Pete and Allie realize is the reason that they wanted to get involved, the reason that they wanted to stay involved, wasn't that they wanted kids or they felt guilty or they felt pity or they wanted to save face. It was because right in front of them, there were kids who needed to be loved. And maybe most importantly of all, they realized that they We're the ones who are supposed to love them. It's it's really easy to see the problems in the world. To see the people around us who need our help, who need our love. It is so easy to see the suffering in the world, but it is less clear why we should be the ones to get involved. Scripture has a lot of answers to that question. But the fun that we're going to focus on today. You know why you take that first CASA class? Or you roll down your window at a stoplight? Or you sign up for that volunteer spot that you've been meaning to sign up and sitting on your desk for a week? You do that. Because we, and I mean all of us, we belong to each other. Do you know what the most common metaphor for how God loves us and how we're supposed to love each other in the Bible is? Family. I think God understood that that love that you feel for your family, that self-sacrificing, unselfish, that defensive, that protective love, that love that is unconditional, that stays through everything, Not only is that the love that God has for you, but that is the love that you have for other people. In Romans, there's a letter that Paul writes to the church, and I think this is the best metaphor of of why we should get involved. He says, all who are led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back into fear. You didn't receive that spirit to keep you in that place of fear and uncertainty and doubt. You received a different spirit. The spirit of God, sometimes we call it the Holy Spirit. You received that spirit, and that spirit is the love of God inside of you. And that is what makes you called to look at the people around you and recognize them not as other human beings, but as brothers and sisters. So my challenge, my challenge to you is this. I know God has put someone or some group of people in front of you. I know that there's been some feeling in your heart that is begging you to get involved. The ad that you keep seeing on your screen Maybe it's the email newsletter that keeps coming through. Something has been nagging at you. Someone needs to be loved, and they need to be loved by you. So over the next few weeks, I want you to reflect on who that group or that someone is. Who is God putting in your heart to call brother and sister, to love like a brother and sister? And I want you to take that next step, not because you're not scared, and not because you're not sure if it's the right thing to do, but because actions, love is action. Love is not words. Love is not thoughts. And sometimes, Love isn't even prayers. It's doing the next thing. And here's your commitment from us, because this has been convicting to me and Steven as well and the staff here, is that we will take the next few weeks to pray and think about who are the people in this community that we are being called to love. And we will not get wrapped up in some greater outreach strategy. But we will take the next step and we will give you that next step as a church. To love the people that are in front of us. To know that they belong to us. And to know that we are the ones who are supposed to love them. Let us pray. Precious God, thank you so much for the spirit that you place in us. The spirit that moves in us that spirit that tells us that something isn't right in the world because we see other humans who are hurt, who are suffering, who need our help. And Lord, sometimes that's easy for us to see, but it's way harder to know that we are the ones to get involved. God, I pray for a spirit of action in this church. I pray for all the people who sit here, that they may feel that spirit of action that moves past blood, I pray that they may search out opportunities. They may not turn away. I pray that we all may be filled with your love, that it may shine forth, that this city may change because of what and who we are called to be. It is in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.